Hi friends, welcome to the Genesis of Shame podcast. I'm your host, Sam Landa, and I'm here to help you speak biblical truth to the shame you experience in relationships. My hope is that you grow in your understanding of how shame impacts you so you can learn how to connect with God and others. If you've experienced fear, hiding who you are, boundary issues, anxiety, and or depression in your relationships, then this podcast is for you. It's time to speak truth to your shame. Well, all right, everyone. Welcome back to the Genesis of Shame podcast. I'm your host, Sam Landa, and uh, very excited about today's topic as we'll be discussing more red flags in relationships, uh, specifically romantic relationships. And I know that this is a big topic because I have a lot of friends who are currently in this stage and, you know, it's kind of... Um, a blessing really to be able to hear kind of their stories and where they're at and, and answer some questions that they may have about dating and obviously and I never have never considered myself an expert on anything but I do have some a couple of things I think would be helpful uh, for those of you guys who are in this stage who are looking to date and to look out for these red flags because what happens when you do start dating is that usually you don't see these things until much later on or you do see them and ignore them initially and then it can become a serious problem later um i think last time i spoke about the red flags from a theological perspective so biblical uh, aspects or elements of the relationship that are red flags Um, but today i'm going to talk about relational red flags so things that are done uh in the relationship um how you each relate to each other and what red flags to look out for in regards to that. And I'm going to use some of Gottman's research on this, as well as provide some biblical uh, foundations and responses to these um, characteristics or red flags in relationships. So I'm looking forward to it. Hope you guys are able to stay through the whole show. And again, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you. You know, welcome to the show. Um, I'm glad that you're here. And remember to hit that subscribe button on your iTunes podcast or wherever it is that you listen to uh, your podcast. Um, But other than that, also, if you're willing to support the show, I do have a a link that's provided in the Buzzsprout account where you can uh, submit just anything to help with the show. You know, I've been doing this now for about two years, I think, and um, obviously been pouring into it and uh, financing it myself. But I think now I'm at that point where I feel a little bit more comfortable asking for um, help with it. And um, it's something I do enjoy. So even if it didn't come in, I'd still continue doing this just because I enjoy talking about these topics and also being able to help others who are in these um, situations. So again, thank you again for for tuning in. As always, I never forget my faithful listeners. Um, For those of you who have been listening, thank you again. I really appreciate all your support. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get into the topic today, relational red flags in Christian relationships. Relational red flags in Christian relationships. So the last time I spoke about the theological components of a relationship that are red flags, things that you need to look out for and avoid if you see these things in your relationship. And today I'm looking at the relational behaviors and characteristics 
that show, hey, you know, this is not a a good relationship. You should probably avoid this type of relationship. One general rule that I like to give people to understand uh, their um, the, the person that they're dating is to really take some time to see how they respond when they're under stress. You know, when people are stressed out, they really show um, their true colors. And, and that's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because obviously it provides insight for you. And it also provides insight for the other person, right? When you see yourself respond to stress in negative ways, um, it's a red flag for yourself to see and address that issue, right? Because stress exposes us, right? Another thing, power exposes us too. So when you're given power, how do you respond? You know, if you've never had power before, sometimes when we do get power, we get power hungry, and we start treating people differently or we expect for people to treat us differently. And that's not a good thing either. So when people are under stress and when they're given power, those are two very significant situations where you can tell a lot about a person. And again, these things you don't find out in the first couple of dates, right? This, These things you find out later down the road. And I wish there was an easier way to answer this question like, you know, how what do I need to look at in the first couple of dates for me to know whether or not I want to pursue this relationship? And honestly, you can't. I mean, there's some obvious red flags, right? I mean, no one likes a liar, right? So if you are on the first couple of dates and, you know, the person kind of gives you a fib or some white lies about something, you know, the trust is kind of not being built up there, right? No one likes that. <clears throat> so those are obvious uh, relational red flags. Uh, no one likes cheaters. You know, if you're dating someone or, or if you're um, uh, currently in a relationship with someone and they are uh, have cheated before or they're cheating or that's just kind of the way that they've always been or they have a bad history in their relationships with cheating, um, you know, obviously it's another red flag that you might want to pay attention to. And uh, lastly, you know, the verbal, emotional, and physical abuse, right? Those are obvious red flags that no one wants to be in, you know. And I usually say that if someone is being physically abusive, they have been verbally and emotionally abusive. So whenever you look at, yeah, if you're dating someone and they talk about physical abuse, about themselves being physically abusive at some point in their lives, you know, that, that to me would be a red flag, right? Because that means that they have been verbal and emotionally abusive in previous relationships. And you don't want to put yourself in that position. And that goes for both guys and girls, right? Sometimes uh, we think of this only being a guy thing, but there is a growing number of women who are starting to do this as well. They're usually more... Um, uh, yeah, emotionally abusive women are and verbally, um, typically not physically abusive, but it has happened and it does happen more often than, than we'd like to think, especially in today's times where, you know, everything is focused on, you know, being equal and so on. So I'm not for it on either side, right? Verbal, emotional, physical abuse, big no-no, big red flags, avoid that at all costs. Okay, um, here's some other subtle responses or subtle red flags though, that you might find in a relationship. So sometimes when people are under stress, like I mentioned before, uh, they will respond hurtfully, right? They might say something to you that is hurtful. And again, everyone does this at one point or another, right? They might say something that's hurtful. And if it's once, twice, you know, three times, um, understandable depending on the type of stress, right? 
But if this is a common theme, right, if this is something that you're consistently seeing, you know, their responses to stress and they're mistreating you or they're saying bad things about you or they're uh, ignoring you even, right? So these are things to look out for. Um, they're a little bit more subtle because, again, you need to see them when they're under stress or when they have uh, some form of power. Okay. Um, also, if they're unable to handle conflict respectfully, right? If in conflict they become aggressive and combative and defensive, which is one of the things that we're going to look at as well today, um, you know, that's something to, to look out for. So these are a little bit more subtle because it requires a very specific situation. Um, so those are things just to be mindful of. Um, but I mentioned early on in the episode that I wanted to address some of Gottman's research that he does with married couples. And obviously, you know, from a Christian perspective, the hope is that everyone who is dating right now, um, if you're a Christian and the person that you're dating is a Christian, should be a Christian, um, that your ultimate goal is to see if you guys are compatible or um, able to get married if you guys have the same goals and I always refer to faith family future right are you guys aligned on your faith do you guys believe the same things are there any deep theological flaws in either um, in either person's understanding right um, family what was your upbringing like the way that you were brought up is gonna show a lot about how you're going to be in your own marriage not everything right because you are able to make changes to things that were unhealthy Right. But in general, the way that you relate, the way that you behave in relationships stems a lot from your uh, core family unit, from your upbringing, from your culture. Right. So all those are part of family. And then future is where, where are you headed? Right. What do you want from life? What kind of family do you want? What kind of values do you want to pass on to your children? Where do you want to live? What goals do you have? Right. So all of that are things to look at in regards to the future. So if you can line up on those things, then, you know, you have a good foundation for a relationship, okay? Um, so Gottman's research is heavy on um, relationships, and he talks about, specifically in, um, in marriages, I think he did a lot, of, does a lot of research with marriages, um, but he talks about these four horsemen of the apocalypse, and these are the things that I think if you see in your relationship, that it will definitely be, these are definitely red flags for you to be mindful of. Okay, obviously, if you're dating, you're, you're not married. So because of that, you do have a reason to leave the relationship, right? I'm very hesitant with recommending divorce um, for for these types of things, there are some specific instances that need to be dealt with wisely and biblically, um, and there is room for that. But when it comes to dating, you know, if you see these things, obviously you don't have that marriage pact, right? That um, covenant that is made before God. So um, it's not the same in regards to that. So I did want to address these, and you may have heard of these before, um, but the first one criticism right criticism in your relationship again all of us have a tendency to criticize one another once in a while right um, and criticize um, it, it comes again under times of stress 
right? If you're feeling stressed out, it's very easy to point the finger at other people, specifically the person that you're dating, um, and saying that it's their fault, right? How often does this happen in dating? I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure because we all try to put on our best uh, foot forward when it comes to dating, right? At what point does a person become so real and comfortable with each other that they start feeling um, like they can criticize, right? Um, and there's a difference between complaining and criticizing, right? So a complaint could be something like, you know, I was scared when you were running late and they didn't call me. I thought we had agreed that we could do that for each other, right? So a complaint. Uh, a criticism is you never think about how your behavior is affecting other people. I don't believe you are that forgetful. You're just selfish. You never think of others. You never think of me, right? So you could kind of tell a difference in the tone between those two um, uh, factors, right? Complaining and criticism. So when criticism becomes a part of your relationship, right? You get tired of it, right? No one likes to be criticized on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, right? So if this becomes a a theme in your relationship, uh, that's a red flag, right? Because it, it says that the person who is criticizing is not happy with the other person. Again, some of us tend to be more critical than others. Um, could be personality, could be how you were brought up, right? There was always someone critiquing someone, right? So there's all these things that we learn without actually being uh, observant of how it's affecting us or how it's affecting other people, right? But it's a natural human behavior for people to seek an explanation for their negative feelings. And over time, people can develop a negative habit uh, of mind to search for what why they feel so bad, right? They scan their environment for other people's transgressions and mistakes to account for their own annoyances or disappointments. So this is from Godbin's uh, webpage. Right. So again, criticizing your partner is different than offering a critique or voicing a complaint. Okay. So criticizing again is very, um, it's pointing the finger. It's your fault. A lot of yous involved in that. Complaints tend to have more of a we component to it, right? Here's what, what I was feeling about this situation. Here's what we can do about it. Criticism takes that you, you know, pointing the finger, you never do this, you always do that, and so on. And again, if this becomes a part of your relationship, meaning that it continues and it starts to become a pattern, that is a red flag, okay? Um, Part of Godman's research is that when he found that these four horsemen, and I'll, I'll get to the rest of them in a little bit, but he what he found was that when these four horsemen are part of a relationship he can predict with 95 percent certainty that the couple will end up getting divorced so that's pretty significant so the reason why this is important for dating is because if you see this now in dating what do you think is going to happen when you get married it only intensifies right um and uh so just something to be mindful of so what does the bible say about this aspect of criticizing right well one of the things that it points out is how we should be building each other up right the bible says in ephesians 4 29 let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such that is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear okay proverbs 15 1 says a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger and we know with criticism 
tends to be harsh, right? We tend to be harsh with each other when we criticize each other. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Okay, so criticism is essentially that. I've been holding all this stuff in, all my complaints, all my criticisms, and now you just gave me the perfect opportunity and blah, right? Everything just comes out and a lot of accusations, a lot of pointing the finger at the other person, okay? So criticism, huge red flag, okay? Uh, number two is contempt, all right? So in contempt is kind of this aspect of treating others with disrespect, um, and that could include mocking, it could include sarcasm, a, condescend a condescending manner, right? These are all forms of contempt. Um, you could even have some hostile humor, name-calling, mimicking, body language such as eye-rolling and sneering. All of these, uh, you know, you'll find in unhealthy relationships, right? It's poisonous to the relationship because it, it kind of conveys this disgust and superiority to the other person right and actually in Gottman's research I have four decades of research right he's found contempt to be the number one predictor of divorce um <clears throat> so something to to be mindful of right once you reach that point where you see the other person as lower than you right and you see yourself as superior because you have some form of understanding that the other person cannot reach your wisdom, right? And you start treating them with disrespect and sarcasm in you. You start using condescending tones, right? Name calling, mimicking. So all of these things that, that I just uh, mentioned, those are aspects of contempt. And again, they seem obvious, right? It's like, well, yeah, who wants to be in a relationship like that? And the reason why I bring this up is because, again, these things don't come up in the first couple of months right or first couple of dates it takes time for these things to really develop i mean how long can someone hold their true um character from being revealed in a relationship right it takes time some people are really good at some people are not so sometimes you'll see these things early on because they're under stress or they're in a position of power and you might see these things earlier right other times it might take longer. You may not see them all the time when they're under stress. You may see something else, right? Um, so contempt really takes some time because, I mean, to get to the feeling of disgust and using sarcasm, honestly, sarcasm, as much as I appreciate it um, in friendships and, and relationships, it can be very funny. But when you're in an argument and someone is using sarcasm, like obviously that can really set each person off. Mimicking, humor, disrespect, all of these things. I mean, no relationship uh, can survive with this type of behavior within it. Okay, so something to be mindful of. Um, it goes far beyond criticism. Criticism attacks your character. Contempt assumes a position of moral superiority. Okay. So <clears throat> that's usually what you'll what you'll find. So almost, it, it, you know, it's an aspect of pride, really. Um, so contempt is really a prideful response to triggers or a prideful response to people who do not align with what you believe, right? Or what you think about yourself. Right? So it's a very prideful thing when we hold contempt 
for each other. So if you're seeing that in your relationship, again, I wish I could tell you that there's these very key ways to identify these things early on. But, you know, there's there's really isn't because every person is different. Every person is willing to accept certain behaviors over others. Um, it's communicated differently, right? So it really is an awareness thing and just being able to identify. I think now that you have the information, you can be on the lookout for it, not in a self-fulfilling prophecy type of way, right? Where you're just constantly looking for the person to mess up, but rather where you're just enjoying growing in the relationship and you're seeing this person, how they respond when they're under stress and seeing what happens because it might not even be directed at you. They might direct their contempt towards someone else, right? And that's an indicator for you as well because if they're doing this to someone else, what what's what's it going to take for it to then turn to you, right? So you don't want someone who is contemptuous to other people um, or holds contempt towards other people because you may be that next person, right? So be on the lookout. You know, I, that that's something I always pay attention to. How do you treat other people, right? And if you treat people with respect, then I can trust you to treat me with respect. So that's something to, to be mindful of. The um, <clears throat> Bible says in Proverbs 13.10, By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Okay. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Right. The person who holds contempt over others is not a forgiving person. They're constantly remembering what the other person's mistakes are, <clears throat> constantly finding ways and, and reasons to be hostile towards them, uh, to kind of give that eye roll and sneering and all of that stuff. Um, this, is, this is a person who cannot do these things, right? <clears throat> but the Bible, if you're Christians, it commands us to be kind and compassionate and forgiving to each other because we receive that from Christ. Right. And just a simple rule, right? Just following the fruits of the spirit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Right? So just look for those characteristics. So it's not only don't look for these things, but also look for these things. Okay. So if you see contempt, um, you're likely not going to see the other fruits of the spirit, joy, love, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Okay. Uh, number three, defensiveness, right? Defensiveness is self-protection in the form of righteous indignation or innocent victimhood in an attempt to ward off a perceived attack, right? Defensive people always have something to say about something that they've done, right? Uh, and typically it's a response to being criticized, right? But it's often perceived as, as blame, Right. Um, you can be critiqued by someone doesn't mean that you're blamed for what's happened, but it could just be something that they've brought up, brought to your attention for you to be mindful of. Again, this one's really tricky because you, you want a complaint, not a criticism. But even if you do receive criticism, um, it's important to separate that from being blamed for the problems in the relationship, right? For example, um, someone could say, hey, you know what, it's really um, disrespectful, you know, to me when when you arrive late to things or something like that, right? 
Now, is the person saying that they're blaming you for all the problems of their lives? No, but sometimes when we're defensive, we think that that's what they mean, that they're just blaming us for everything that's happening. And you're going to be defensive and you have a reason for why you were late and you have a reason for why you did what you did. And there's always a defensive posture, right? Again, if it happens once, twice, um, you know, those are things that you can look at and just observe, right? You don't want to just uh, allow a person to do this a couple of times and then just cut it off. You want to look for growth, right? You want to see if there's any changes with this, especially if you've brought it to their attention. So typically, I recommend just kind of stay back, keep an eye on it, take note of, okay, they were defensive there, they were defensive there, they were defensive here. Did they have any validity to that, right? Because as you're looking for these things in the other person, that person is likely looking for those things in you, right? They might see that you're defensive. So we all want grace in relationships. Again, the key thing with these four horsemen is that this becomes a part of your relationship, right? That if you were to identify your relationship by a number of factors, that you would find these that we've been talking about more often than the good things, right? And again, <clears throat> we each respond differently to to each of these um, four horsemen. But it's important to know your own triggers, like what really gets you upset and why? Why do those things get you upset? Did you see it with your parents where one of your parents was always defensive and the other one was always critical? That's usually what you'll find, right? If someone's very critical, you're going to have the other person be very defensive, right? Because they don't like pr being criticized, and the critiquer doesn't like when another person defends themselves. So it kind of just goes back into this, you know, cycle, crazy cycle of defensiveness and criticism, defensiveness, criticism, and so on, right? Um, <clears throat> again, defensiveness is typically a response to criticism. And we've all been defensive, right? This is nearly omnipresent when relationships are on the rock. So that's when you start finding this thing, right? If a relationship is not doing well, defensiveness is definitely going to be one of the um, factors involved, right? We feel unjustly accused, so we fish for excuses and play the innocent victim so that our partner will back off, right? This strategy is almost never successful. Our excuses just tell our partner that we don't take their concerns seriously and that we won't take responsibility for our mistakes, right? So there's something about being humble, right? There's a humility that comes with um, not being defensive, right? It's possible that you're wrong. It's possible that you did something that was not appropriate. And if someone is criticizing, to receive that with a spirit of gentleness and humility is key, right? And again, that's one of the ways in which you can develop or express the fruits of the Spirit, right? Ephesians 4.2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So even if the other person is criticizing or is bringing something to your attention in an offensive manner, there's something to be said about being able to bear with that at the moment, right? There's there's a culture, even entering into Christian culture, where we have to defend ourselves at any offense and set this boundary because this boundary is so important that, you know, I can't let anyone walk over me. And I don't know if that's the spirit talking when we say that, right? Um, the Bible emphasizes patience and humility and gentleness, 
right? Uh, are there times when you can speak up and say something when you're being disrespected? Yes, yes, there's definitely times for that. But usually I think we operate by the rule, by the um, exception and not the rule, right? The Bible says X, so we do X, right? Um, but what happens is that now we just say, well, Y could happen, so I'm going to do Y first and and then I'll do X later, right? Meaning that whatever the exception to the rule is, we'll go with that and then maybe we'll follow the actual command that the Word of God gives us, right? Right? Uh, Proverbs 11, 2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18, 12. Right, so defensiveness, in order to deal with defensiveness, you need to develop a spirit of humility. You need to develop a spirit of gentleness. We need to develop a spirit of being patient with one another, right? Again, this is more about you than it is about the other person. Okay, obviously what I'm trying to uh, help with here is that you're able to identify these things in your relationship so that you can know what to do or what steps to take. But more than anything, and I emphasize this in all my podcasts or in any counsel or advice that I give, is what is this saying about you? Right? Are you being defensive? Are you taking something too, too hard that is probably not, not, not that bad? Or is it really bad and you're not saying anything, right? Are you able to stand up for yourself? Are you able to speak truth to the person who is who is hurting you, right? So it's more about helping you grow and not trying to change the other person because the other person is going to act the way they're going to act because that's what they've learned, right? So you want someone who's learned how to cope in a more healthy way so that they can bring that to the relationship. Your job is not to change the other person, Right. So if the person is acting defensive, if the person is critical, if the person is contemptuous, right, those things you're not going to change by dating them. Those are things that they need to work on on their own. If this is you, if you're defensive, if you're critical, if you're contemptuous, right, then those are things that you need to work on. Okay. Maybe stepping on some toes here, but um, I promise I do this too. Uh, to help you see that because I'm mean, obviously even for myself, you know, there's things here that I do and I'm very aware of it and I feel horrible when, when it's evident there. You know, it doesn't, it's not a part of my marriage or relationship, but when it happens, I'm so aware of it that I feel so convicted by it, by God's word to change it, you know. So uh, thankful for God's word that guides us in truth and in grace in everything that we do. All right, lastly, here's stonewalling. In a discussion or argument, the listener withdraws from the interaction, shutting down and closing themselves off from the speaker because they are feeling overwhelmed or physiologically flooded, right? So it's a physical um, response or physical um, experience that pushes one to respond by pulling away from the situation, right? They build a wall between them and their partner. And this is also tends to be a response to contempt. So when someone is looking down on them or they're making fun of them, they're berating them, whatever the case is, obviously there's nothing else to do than just shutting down. Shutting down is not the same thing as being humble. Okay, that's very important to understand here because you may shut down and you may perceive that as you, well, you know, I didn't say anything. I just took it, right? And might, might um, share that as though you're being humble. 
but it's not the same thing, right? Stonewalling, again, is you withdrawing from a situation that has triggered something in you and it makes you pull back, right? Physiological response, it's a mental response, it's an emotional response, but it's something that we need to deal with, okay? Uh, so the withdraw from the interaction shuts down, simply stops responding to the partner rather than confronting the issues with their partner. People with Stonewall can make evasive maneuvers such as tuning out, turning away, acting busy, or engaging in obsessive or distracting behaviors. Okay. Now, stonewalling is interesting because if someone is constantly criticizing another person, I think it makes sense why someone would stonewall, right? Like they're just tired of hearing the same thing over and over and over and over. So there's nothing they can say. So they stonewall. They withdraw. I've This person could have expressed their concerns in multiple ways. And the other person just doesn't listen. They'll keep criticizing. So the only logical response in their minds is to stonewall. Well, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Nothing I say gets through to you. So why talk? And they don't engage. They stop engaging. That's why stonewalling is so dangerous because it, it means that so many things have happened that now the person is in a place where they don't feel comfortable even addressing issues anymore. Someone who stonewalls typically has already tried to address something a number of times, right? Or someone who stonewalls has always been a stonewaller, meaning that they learned that behavior um, prior to the current relationship, Right. And you'll see this early on. Right. So the first argument that you have, you can probably see someone who's had that pattern before. They'll probably implement it in that first interaction. Right. There's other relationships that start off well. And as the person receives criticism or judgment or is mistreated, whatever the case is, um, with time, they then stonewall. Right. So maybe they were never stonewallers, but now that they're receiving constant criticism, and judgment or mistreatment now they've learned to stonewall that stonewalling is the only way to survive their relationship not it, again it's not a good thing these are red flags okay again and this could be you right maybe you've never stonewalled before but you're in this relationship and you realize that once you guys get into an argument you start to pull back right you shut down you pull away and just stop responding to your partner and if that was never there before if you look at previous relationships and you had never done that so there's something about this relationship that is causing you to be like that right so something to be mindful of right for the other person too if they stonewall think about yourself have i been criticizing or berating or treating this person negatively that they feel the need to stonewall right so it's so important guys it's so important that you always reflect back on your own behavior, okay? Because that's what allows you for you to grow. And when you grow, other people can grow. Or you can uh, avoid situations um, that can stop your growing, okay? So very, very important. The negativity created by the first three horsemen can become overwhelming enough that stonewalling becomes an understandable out. But when it does, it frequently becomes a bad habit. Unfortunately, stonewalling isn't easy to stop. Okay, It's a result of feeling physiologically flooded. And when we stonewall, we may not even be in a physiological state where we can discuss things rationally. So oftentimes what you'll find with marriage counselors is that they'll recommend taking a break because physically you just can't. You'll lose it. 
right? You'll lose your cool. You'll say something that you don't want to say. You'll do something that you don't want to do. Whatever the case is, like it's necessary to pull away. Stonewalling is such is such a dangerous place to be for either person in the relationship. But it has some roots in the previous three. So if you feel like you're stonewalling during a conflict, stop the discussion and ask your partner to take a break, right? Again, because this could be you. And if it's not you and it's the other person, then see how you can help with that, right? Can you be less critical? Are you showing contempt towards the other person? Are you defensive? Are you, do you always have something to say, right? All of these things can lead to people stonewalling, okay? And again, the, the key here um, as we kind of wrap this up today is that we want to develop the fruits of the spirit, right? So we go to Galatians 5.22 and try to help each other grow in the spirit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Like that's what we want to do. We want to grow with each other, right? And what is what is uh, 1 Corinthians 13 tell us, right? The, the chapter on love, right? What does it say in verse 4 and on? Well, here it is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails from verses four to eight there on first corinthians 13 so that is the type of relationship that you want one that does all of those things that hopes endures believes all things right trusts trusts and so on so hopefully as you are in your relationship and and you're looking for these things and by the way um, even if you're not in a relationship right now, so let's say you know someone that you're considering, try to see if those things are evident, right? Have they done those things to other people? Do you know anything about their dating history? That may speak to something that can happen. Again, we always want to extend grace, right? Because we all make mistakes. We all um, can always continue to grow and so on. But don't avoid things that are patterns, right? Because patterns will continue. That's the whole purpose, right? That's what patterns are, is that they will continue. So yes, we do need to give grace. But when you decide to get married with someone, you're making a lifelong commitment, right? I'm not a fan of divorce. I'm a fan of hope, even in the darkest times. And there are complicated issues. Again, I'm not minimizing some very dark, serious um uh, issues in marriage, you know, specifically having to deal with abuse, um, or, or adultery, anything like that. Like those are complicated issues. And, and, you know, I'll probably at some point, um, address those specific things and, and what the Bible has to say about that. But in general, you know, when you hear people, uh, divorcing because of, you know, irreconcilable differences or, um, you know, they've just been fighting a lot and haven't learned how to work things out. Like those things are workable. You can work through those things. Abuse, adultery, those things um, are very much more complicated. Same, not similar solutions, but there are there is biblical advice for walking through those difficult waters. But again, if you're in a relationship and you see someone or the person that you're dating is is 
um, expressing criticism, contempt, defensiveness, or stonewalling. Those are some serious red flags that you need to pay attention to and need to likely leave that relationship. And also look for these things in yourself. Like, are you any of these things? And if so, you can start working on that now before you enter into a relationship. So, guys, hopefully this was helpful. You know, I really like Gottman's uh, content on this aspect. So I thought I'd just uh, apply this to a dating situation. And I think it transitions well. So hopefully you find this helpful and you're able to use this if you're dating. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to email me, contact me via Facebook or Instagram. And I'd be glad to answer any questions you may have. All right. Well, have a good one, guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in today, guys. I really appreciate it. Your support means a lot to me, and I really look forward to doing these each and every week. If you would like to continue supporting the podcast, one of the things you can do is go to your Apple podcast and find the Genesis of Shame there and then subscribe to it. That really helps it get some traction on the iTunes podcast and will allow this to be heard by many more people. You can also follow me on Spotify and other major podcast platforms. Thank you again, guys. Have a great day.